Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, man. You know, they ain't been doing a lot around here doing what we just did. Yeah. Yeah. We believe. Think about what I said. I will. We will. I believe. We believe. God damn it, this is what the hell we do. This smoke talk, this talk talk. The Raiders goddamn way. Antonio Pierce showing that he has what it takes to be the Raiders coach beyond this season. Hey, there's your I brother. Think there's no way. Yeah, thanks. I think there's no way that's Jack Jones, by the way, with the interception. You know, let me let me just let me say something, and I think we've mentioned this a few times. Yeah. Remember when they were so obsessed with calling taunting in all forms? Because the idea is <laughs> yeah, we don't want up. hard feelings to yeah. start because then they'll finish later. When somebody's not looking, they're gonna get hit hard, or it's just gonna be an opportunity where there otherwise wouldn't be any contact. It's a perfectly legal spot for someone to hit someone else, and someone's going to hit someone else as hard as they can because they're mad about that thing that happened earlier in the game. They don't throw the flags anymore for the taunting that used to be flagged all the time. Remember there was that game, that it was the Bears game, and the guy did that like roundhouse kick and looked at the sideline, and they flagged him for taunting. I can't remember who that was, but remember that was a Bears-Steelers game? Yeah, yeah. And, and they were so overly sensitive about it and now they never call it i guarantee you next year as we gather to get ready for the season one of the points of emphasis is going to be taunting and point of emphasis is a fancy way of saying the officials aren't doing the job the way we want them to do so we have to make it a point of emphasis so they'll do what we want them to do because i guarantee you the league office hasn't changed its opinion on taunting (laughs) they don't want hard feelings to fester and get guys hurt later this is all a broader part of the health and safety initiative If you keep guys from getting personally pissed off and vindictive, you avoid that stuff later. Not that Patrick Mahomes is going to take a shot at Jack Jones later, but just that whole idea of stuff that we used to see flagged all the time. And I'm not saying it should be. I'm just saying there's quite possibly a disconnect between what the league wants and what the officials are doing. Well, I mean, it's the only guy that seems to be like under the league rules in that department still is Tyree Kill. It's the Tyree Kill rule. Right, And it became annoying to everybody because he was so good and scoring touchdowns all the time. People thought it was a little too in your face. right? But yeah, it seems like if you just do it once in a while and you're not Tyree Kill, nobody gives a damn. It is a little weird. 
You know, I don't have a problem with it. I'm with you in the fact that I wish, hey, you go in to score a touchdown, you can do whatever the hell you want. Come on, get over it. Right? That that I'm okay with. You know, I don't like again when it filters into like, oh, I made a tackle on third and four, and now I'm going to stand over you and show you that I'm the man because you got a first down. Thank you. But we're still going to. Thank you I'm for your choice you the of words there. Yeah, I avoided it. But I yeah. mean, what in the yes. hell? What in the hell of Christmas is the Kansas City Chiefs doing? I mean, what in the hell are they doing? I mean, again, we've seen this. The big thing with the Chiefs, again, it goes back to the offense. They're a defensive football team. But you can't be not talented and not have a creative scheme on offense. And they have both, and that's hard. They're not talented at the skill positions. The receivers are nothing special, as we know. And then you add that on to an offense that the league has caught on to and is not as good as when Eric Bieniemy was dialing up plays. It's simpler. So you add those two things together, and that's hard to be a good offense. I don't give a damn who your quarterback is. And they're still not used to it, and they're not adjusting. And again, you know, I'm being funny here, but that was a game yesterday where they might have been able to kneel on the ball the whole game and still would have won, but they still think they're the Chiefs and the greatest show on turf. And there they were with their trickeration and aggressiveness. They screwed themselves and lost the game, and it just continues to be blunders from this Kansas City Chiefs offense and team altogether. I mean, this is inexcusable well, here. I think, right, but, but it's like if we keep doing it the way we used to do it, eventually it's just going to come back. I feel like that's their attitude. I think attitude. you're right. I feel Let's like just keep doing too. what we've always done, and eventually we're going to find the switch and flip it back. Yeah, well, I, I think there is a little of that. But it's it's like, don't we have enough to know now that it's just not? It's it's not anything like it was the previous years. You, 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 you play ugly football. In fact, the Chiefs are at their best when they play ugly football. That's kind of the way they are. Play through your defense. Mahomes will make a play here and there, right? But... You know, again, there was a day yesterday where their defense was phenomenal. I mean, come on. We were reading stats on the board and on the screen in the second half where you're going, wait, the Raiders are winning and they haven't thrown the ball in three quarters? Like, what's going on here? Right? And that's because the Chiefs messed it up. And, of course, their offense isn't good enough to really be consistently good. And that Raiders defense, as we've been telling people all year, is better than people realize. I know the Chiefs beat them the first time around, but even when they beat them the first time around, it wasn't within, like, surgical offense and you're going, oh, wow. It was Mahomes floating around and making plays. And that's good every now and then, but that's just not sustainable to think you're going to beat every team in football week in and week out with just Mahomes playing backyard football. And that's kind of what they're relegated to right now in Kansas City, and he's not playing his best either. 48 net passing yards for the Las Vegas it's Raiders insane. when you factor in the sacks. Unbelievable. Nine for 21, Aiden O'Connell was. 205 total yards for the Raiders, and they win 20 to 14. I feel like yesterday was the day that the Chiefs thought they were going to get the the car into gear and get it ready for becoming the team that we're used to seeing. That yesterday was the occasion to do it. It's Christmas. It's the Raiders. The Raiders are just playing out the string and and it just misfired. But that that explains the you know the high end special plays that we used to see when things were always going well for the Chiefs. It feels weird when they try to do it when things aren't going well, and it fails. That thing they did down at the goal line that resulted in a touchdown failed. And then you follow it up with a pick six, 
That is not what we're used to seeing from the Chiefs. And you mentioned Biennemi. And this came up a couple of weeks ago with Patrick Mahomes saying they miss Biennemi because he's the guy who held everybody accountable. He's the guy who lit the fire. And you saw Mahomes yesterday trying to give it to the linemen a little bit. You know, are they trying to simulate what Biennemi would be doing if he was there in the middle of all of this? And then there was the moment where Kelsey throws his helmet down and Big Red was trying to keep it away from him. It was just, there it is, boom, down it goes, and they they weren't giving it back to him right away. And I I don't know where the, whatever it is they're missing, where is it going to come from? They don't know, or they would have found it by now. Yeah, right. that's right. No, there's a missing magic, and they're not being, what I would say is probably realistic for what they are, or not buying into what they totally are right now as a football team, and they're still wishing. Did you see that shoulder? Yeah, well, I think he did it deliberately. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a little bit like, hey, man, wake up. Come on, don't be like that. It's like a loving shoulder, right? I think it's more of that. Like, come on, man. But still. But get some positive vibes. Still, there's... Yeah, yeah, like, come on, snap out of exactly. it. Exactly. It's kind of like a snap out of it. I, it is. Sorry exactly to interrupt that. you, but it's just no. amazing to see it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it is, but that's it, the kind of relationship they have there. You know, look at him. He's like, come on, man, wake up. Wait, he's trying to get them going in a, in a loving way. They're, they're, they're special there with how they all believe in each other and all that. They are. But, you know, Mike, I mean, you heard me saying that stuff about Biennemi before Mahomes said it. I've been saying it for six, seven weeks. So just they're missing the enforcer, let alone his creativity. Again, you watch anything on NFL films over the, on the Chiefs the last few years. Yeah, it wasn't Mahomes having to do what you're talking about. If you go and look and see little clips of the side, it's, it's Biennemi. And he's in Mahomes' face and everybody else's face. It doesn't feel like there's that guy there right now. And, yeah, they need to adjust to, who, to, to what they are. You know, the passing game and them throwing for 350 is just not going to happen on a consistent basis. To me, it's like play your defense, come up with more run plays, more creative runs, play through that more, and be content on we're going to be the Chiefs, play through our defense, and Mahomes will be clutching the end of the football game, and we're going to win 20-17. to That's who you are this year. That's the way they need to play. But it's like they haven't come to terms with that yet, Mike, to your point. And they're trying to wish into existence. We're still going to be that offense that threw for 50 touchdowns a few years ago here one of these days. It's just going to click. And it's like, no, it's too late. And I think that's part of why, you know, a trick play backed up with going to give the ball to Mahomes and then he's going to throw the ball and do all of that. I think that just speaks to the desperation of where they are as a football team and how they're looking for anything to jumpstart them. And of course, that one came to bite them back in the came back to bite them in the butt in a big way. Look, I don't remember this happening when things were going well, but the idea of running a play like that in the shadow of your own end zone, usually that's something they do when they're down around exactly, your tent, right. not around their tent. Right. You cap a drive with it. You don't kickstart a drive with it. H- how about this what if? Yeah. What if the commanders clean house as soon as the season's over? And I've got a two-part what if to this. Part one, Eric Bieniemy available to anyone if that's what happens. Doesn't get a head coaching job again because we're used to that now. Do the Chiefs bring him back next year? That's part one. Part two. Part two. 
because there's a chance that Josh Harris just sends everyone packing as soon as the season's over and they start from scratch. If the enemy's available the day after the regular season ends, do you bring him back for the playoffs? Oh, if you're the Chiefs, if the Chiefs even get there, do you bring him back as a consultant for the rest of the postseason run, however long it might last? I would. I mean, again, he's he's kind of like family there, and if he is free, they need any all and any help they can get right now. Whether that's an attitude adjustment, a few ideas and wrinkles in their game plan. You know, I, I would be in favor of it. I would. Now, I know that might make, like, Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator as of right now, feel uncomfortable a little bit. But, you know, this is the NFL. The proof's in the pudding. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's a pretty good head coach, a defensive coach. I mean, the Eagles brought in Vic Fangio last year to help him out. And, damn, Jonathan Gannon's a good defensive coach. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm more of the belief of, like, you know, check your ego at the door. We need as many smart tough football people in the building as possible. And if you're the Chiefs right now, I certainly would think about that if, if that did happen the way you, you kind of explained it, Mike. Remember, that happened with Josh McDaniels at one point. Yeah, that's right. When he was released by the Rams. That's right. Went back to be a consultant with the Patriots before landing there and staying there. So I, from the enemy's perspective, he's trying to spread his wings elsewhere. He's trying to prove himself elsewhere. But there may be an opportunity here, depending upon what the commanders do. Now, sometimes you fire the head coach and you keep the rest of the staff in place because yeah. they have multi-year contracts and they're paying him well. And it's not like he can say, please let me go so I can go back to Kansas City. But if they say, we're just going to clean out everyone and let the new coach hire whoever he's going to hire from scratch, no one's holdover. If they do that and he's gone... It's that may if that's what they're missing, and if that's what Mahomes is telling Andy Reid, we need back here if we want to try to win another Super Bowl, and that's what Mahomes wants. He wants number three because you don't get number seven unless you get to number three when you're stuck at number two. He would want it, and those comments from a couple of weeks ago would suggest that that's something he'd be in favor of. Just going to be an interesting twist here to see what happens short term and longer term. If the enemy's available when the dust settles on the coaching carousel, do they bring him back more? Immediately, do they bring him back as a consultant for the playoff run if he's available uh, in 13 days? Because it will be spinning 13 days from now. All right, for the Raiders, two years ago, Rich Bisaccia was the interim coach. They almost beat the Bengals in the playoffs. He gets blown out. Mike Mayock, the GM, gets blown out. They start over. They try the Patriot way. It doesn't work. And now Antonio Pierce. I, I believe he's done enough that you need to work out some sort of a reasonable contract where he has an opportunity. You don't have to do a five-year deal. Do a three-year deal. Give him a chance to be the head coach. Give him a chance to go start to finish. We said the same thing about Passaccia, and it was just like it wasn't even regarded as a possibility. It's like something Mark Davis never took seriously. How can you not take it seriously now? 63 points. Scored against the Chargers at the time when they'd come off of scoring zero four days earlier. And then they get a little extra rest and they go into Kansas City and they beat a Chiefs team that's playing for everything. How does that not tell you that Antonio Pierce has something that needs to be fully explored? What's his ceiling as a coach? What does he do when he has a full offseason to get ready? When you couple the belief and the passion and the intangibles that are causing them to win these games now and you put together a great plan. And, you know, coaches on both sides of the ball that get you into the X's and O's you need to be in. How do you not do it? 
How do you not do it if you mark Davis? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you got to be seriously considering it, right? I mean, the team, the organization, the players on the field, they've responded to Antonio Pierce. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, we, like, like you said, there's been better quality football. They've been fighting, you know, regardless of the situation, certainly. And even with, like, things looking dire and bleak, they continued to do – you know, continued to kind of fight this out. And they certainly could have gave up with going, oh, McDaniels is gone. We're starting Aiden O'Connell. Like, this ain't going to work. Josh Jacobs isn't playing today. There's, they, they got to seriously consider Antonio Pierce. You know, one, you could see he's got great leadership skills. He's a very good motivator. You know, on the sidelines, he's got a great way about him and a presence that I feel like keeps the team in a positive, motivated frame of mind. And then, yeah, how could you not with this go, well, what would it look like if you truly let him have his full imprint on an offseason, let him hire an offensive coordinator, get some more people in there on the staff that he believes in, right? Hopefully he would keep a guy like Patrick Grand, the defensive coordinator, as we see that defense is it's damn good in, 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 uh, in Las Vegas. So uh, I, I kind of tend to, to lean where you are, Mike, on this one. It seems like he's done enough. It feels like he fits the Raider way. He's got a little Raider attitude towards him. Uh, it, it seems like it, it will work out, and, and hopefully he gets that chance. And if you're Mark Davis, do you really want to be the guy who twice had an interim coach who was doing well enough to get the job, and you say no, and you bring in somebody else who gets fired less than two years later? I, I just think that if you're going to learn from your mistakes, you need to learn that, Basaccia should have gotten a chance, and that's all the more reason to give Antonio Pierce a chance. This one's so obvious. I feel like it's so obvious Mark Davis is going to screw it up. It's too obvious. It's too, it's too easy. This one's too easy. Give Pierce a chance to be the guy and see what he can do. Put his staff together and go 0-0 zero and, zero and see where he can take the Raiders. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the Philadelphia Eagles get back on track after losing three in a row. It got a little closer than maybe it needed to be, and it also brought about the end of the Tommy DeVito mania. We'll break down the middle game from Christmas Day when PFT Live continues right after this. Talking about all year long about playing up to the standard, playing through the guys' best ball. How close or how far away from you guys, you know, to that standard? You know, how far? Yeah. How far? <laughs> I love to say we're close. Um, I love to say we're close, and I think um, I think it's trending in the right direction. I think it's trending in the right direction. You know, we demand such uh, excellence of yourself, and and. Um, you got the type of guys we have on our team. Um, everybody's going to be eager to grow. Everybody's going to be eager for more. But, you know, when, when did winning not become the main thing? You know, and I think with, with, that, with that standard that we talk about, though, um, with that standard that we talk about, it's like that double-edged sword of, you know, what's more important, winning or the standard. Jalen Hurts on the victory over the New York Giants, 33-25. And look, at the end of the day, we saw it play out. Christmas Eve, Cowboys lose to the Dolphins. Christmas Day, Eagles beat the Giants. Now the Eagles have a one-game lead in the division. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter for the Cowboys. Cowboys still need the Eagles to lose one of these final three games. There's two left, Cardinals and Giants, specifically Giants, because those tiebreakers... 
were not in Dallas's favor, even if they had won out and the no. Eagles had won it. They right. still need the Eagles to lose one. So now it's not over yet. Two. Well, I think just one. Because if they would catch them, if the Cowboys catch them now, let's say the Eagles lose to the Giants week 18. Right. And the Cowboys catch them at at 12 and 5. Cowboys are going to win the division because they have the better divisional record. Remember, all those other tiebreakers yeah, were premised you. on That's right. the Eagles beating the Giants That's twice. Right. Yep. And and you you when you lose out of the conference, th- th- that that helps you know even out some of the tiebreakers, especially the conference-based tiebreakers. So the, it really wasn't a fatal blow to the Cowboys. They still needed to see the Eagles lose, and for a little while yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, it got that game got very interesting when it was on the verge of blowout, like we saw in the divisional round last year when the Giants went to Philly. The the two guys run into each other, little Keystone cops. Ball comes out, Giants recover. Tyrod Taylor's in for Tommy DeVito, R.I.P.I.P. The Tommy DeVito craze in in New Jersey. I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, and that's done. That's before you know it, it's twenty to eighteen. Yeah, I mean it's twenty to three, and you're going, well, th- this is over. Like they're just gonna stomp on the throat of the Giants here and dominate this football game. But the Eagles, you know, a little bit like we talked about the Chiefs, you know, they're one of these teams that kind of do dumb things throughout the year, too, to a degree. Right? I mean, whether it's this right here and running into each other, Keystone Cops, or Jalen Hurts throwing a 78-yard pick-six interception, those are things we didn't see last year. Or giving up, you know, a three-play uh, what was it? Or it was a two-play, 75-yard touchdown drive? You know, when you're feeling like, hey, we should close the game out here? You know, that's where the Eagles are differently, too. There was some good from the Eagles yesterday, and you saw some moments of going, man, they look good. They look high-quality Eagles-like. But there still was some moments in there that would, if I'm an Eagles fan or just an evaluator, you sit there and go, eh, let the bad taste in my mouth a little bit. They, they You know, I, I would like us to look a little bit more dominant against the Giants and this football team and where they are late in December. But either way, they got the win, and that's that's the most important thing, and hopefully they can turn this into some positive momentum. And look, the bottom line is you want to be the team that is home in the wild card round. You don't have to go on the road. Cowboys going to likely be the team that goes to Tampa Bay the way it's playing out right now. Eagles will be at home probably as the two-seed taking on the last team in, maybe the Seahawks. Wouldn't that be great to get a rematch of that Monday night game from last week? But, but yeah, the Eagles still feel like they're missing something. And it's not like they have a great opponent down the stretch to reestablish themselves with. They're going to have to do it in the wild card round, and then they're going to have to do it, you know, divisional round. Whether it's the the Cowboys coming to town, although it would be the Cowboys in San Francisco, they'd end up with... It just all depends on what happens with those four, five, and three, six games. It could be Rams at 49ers, Cowboys at Eagles, frankly, in the divisional round. Yeah. Um, because I, I, the Rams right now are good enough to go to Detroit and win if the Rams are the sixth seed and the Lions are the three seed. So, uh, but, but regardless, the opportunities for the Eagles to prove that they were the team we thought they were maybe on the verge of being that comes divisional round yeah and what will be waiting for them most likely 
unless what happens last night happens in the divisional round, what's waiting for them will be the 49ers. Yeah, no, it, it's, um, you know, again, still a good stepping stone. You're right. They can't control the schedule, so they're not going to get a win here down the stretch that's going to be able to make them puff out their chest and go, oh, we're back, and we're definitely one of the best teams in football. But hopefully you can kind of build on what you did yesterday. Again, there were some things, like you said, where it was a little like, eh, some of the mistakes and, of course, letting up the big touchdown throw like we talked about and the running into each other and the pick six and all that. Yeah, mistakes. But, you know, there was also some, hey, wait, that's dominant Eagle football type of stuff as well. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing they'll lean on. I mean, this one here, even though it's a pick six and you don't like to see it, Right, These are one where you go, okay, it wasn't like it was a bad read or a stupid throw. Dallas Goddard slips as he's coming out. And I have a hard time thinking this will be an interception if he doesn't slip. I would think that either hits him and he catches it or it just falls incomplete altogether. But uh, bad luck, uh, not being on your P's and Q's, that's kind of what the Eagles have been all year. But there was signs of life. I mean, Jalen Hurts did make a number of really big throws, certainly. They dominated the line of scrimmage and kind of ran the ball at will on the on the Giants at times during the football game. Those would be the positives, and hopefully they can fix some of that, that ugliness that they showed there and, you know, they've showed every now and then here throughout the season. Two seeds still in play for the Lions as well. Yeah. They've got the Cowboys on Saturday night. That may settle that. You would expect the Cowboys to win at home. They've won 15 in a row at home. They need this one. But the Lions still have a sliver of hope. If they could beat the Cowboys, if the Eagles lose one, I don't know where the tiebreakers currently are if they both finish with the same record. But right now they're both 11-4, and four, and the Lions have a shot at being the number two seed, not just winning the division but getting a couple of home games potentially before they would have to go to San Francisco or, or who knows San Francisco loses. You're hosting the NFC championship game in Detroit potentially. All right. Uh, let's go ahead. And is there anything else you want to talk about from that game? We still got, I'm looking at our target. We got a few more minutes. We're no. usually behind. Yeah. It's rare I, to be ahead. No, I don't know if there's anything that's, uh, you know, groundbreaking when it comes to that. Um, I, I can't say that there is. I do think with the Giants, like you said, I think the Tommy DeVito thing is probably over officially, right? It was nice why it lasted. He did do some good things. But I think, again, it was still such management of him that they were just like, wait, we, we, we can't manage and finagle plays here, and not against these good football teams. we got to be able to run an offense and have somebody execute the offense and you know give us multiple answers per play, let alone we're just trying to find one play to create something to where we can make Tommy DeVito look good. That's kind of what they were stuck in, and I would think we see Tyrod Taylor here down the stretch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Giants continue to fight. I respect that, certainly, and didn't give up yesterday, but, you know, as we know, they're not in the same class as the Philadelphia Eagles as far as talent and what they got to offer as far as players on the field, play after play. The, you know, the reality is we see these backup quarterbacks and after about three or four games, what happens? The opposing teams have enough that they can figure out what he does well, what he doesn't do well. You kind of empty your tool bag if you're the coach trying to hold it together with the backup. We saw it with DeVito. We saw it with Jake Browning. We saw it with Josh Dobbs. We're seeing it over and over again with the backup quarterbacks. There's a shelf life, Chris, yeah. before we, we learn why they were backups in the first place. Yeah, that, that's right. There's, there's, there's a limited you know, ceiling there with a lot of backups or third stringers. <laughs> yeah, they can execute an offense to a degree, but there's still going to be things in the offense where you're going to go, wait, 
he can't do that, so we got to take that page out, right? Our starter can make that throw and throw a rocket here and a laser here. Oh, we don't like that, so, hey, let's put a few more screen plays in the book here and, you know, a few other ways, and then let me see if I can go into the lab and finagle some, you know, screw you play to the defense and figure out, like, one play or two plays in the game where I can get them exactly where I want it and then call a play to where – yeah, the quarterback doesn't have to read much, and it's just, hey, it's Saquon Barkley open down the sideline a little bit. You know, it just becomes too hard. It's too exhausting on a coaching staff. And Tyrod Taylor, as we know, has played a long time. He's got a very good arm. He's a good athlete. And uh, I would think they stick with him to try to finish this season out on a positive note in New York. All right, week 16 is in the books. We're going to hand out some superlatives for the entire football weekend that was when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. been outstanding you know he's been outstanding in December that's what you want from your quarterback in December everybody knows each other's plays right about now but when we're trying to make a push and your quarterback is playing great it gives you a chance yeah like I've said answer's not going to change I would love to be here it's a great city great group of guys we're a great organization uh, but winning ball games take care of that so we'll have that discussion after the year Had that conversation with Baker Mayfield a couple of weeks ago after they beat the Falcons do you want to stay in Tampa yes I do I love it here he wants to be there, and winning takes care of itself. He'll be in a position to get either a new contract with the Bucks or somebody else will have a chance to get him, or they'll have to use a franchise tag, $35 million. He got a $32 million four-year contract when he first signed. He had that weird fifth-year option where he gave up a big chunk of money to go to Carolina. It's kind of falling together for him now. He's in, he's in position to get the contract that never quite worked out for him, Chris, in Cleveland. And it's, it's good to see some redemption and some positive play from Baker Mayfield, and he's having a positive impact on the Buccaneers. Yeah, a huge, huge impact. I mean, it's great to see. It really is. He's been through some tough situations the last few years. You know, I know there were some things there that went on in Cleveland and, you know, maybe the little kerfuffle between him and OBJ and all that, and he wasn't always perfect. But, man, Cleveland screwed him over, as we've talked about a lot. And then the Carolina Rams situation, that wasn't easy. But he's proven to everybody. He's a, he's a starting NFL quarterback. There's no doubt about that. 
He's definitely in the top half of football as a starting quarterback. He is a, a leader of men, and his physical ability is that of a starting quarterback. He has a upper-tier arm as far as standing in the pocket and make big throws. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's where I, I'm going to start there with my superlative, talking about, you know, what they did to Jacksonville, making them walk the plank there, right? Kings of North Florida. There's two superlatives Arr. for you. Figure that out. Arr, matey. Walk it, Jackson Dayville. Jump into the Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, that that's what they did. But, yeah, that was a, a butt whooping. I mean, concerning for Jacksonville, as we know, but – you know, the, the big thing is big plays with Baker's right arm capitalizing off of the Jacksonville dysfunction, turnovers, the issues they're having. And that led to the Buccaneers. Every time you looked over, you're like, well, hey, it's, it's oh, okay, it's 10 nothing. Oh, it's 13 nothing. Jacksonville will make this a game. What? It's 20 to nothing? What? It's 27 to nothing? Like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, but yeah, between. The ability to pressure Trevor Lawrence, some of the plays they made, interceptions, out hitting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars look like cats in water right now. That's what they look like. They look like somebody made them walk the plank, and we know cats aren't real comfortable in water. But Baker Mayfield on fire. The Bucks are feeling it, and uh, the defense making a few plays too. They're 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 they feel. Much more dangerous than they did last year with Tom Brady at quarterback. They do. They just there's a little different feel about this team, and uh, not as many issues I think with the team in general as there was last year. Cowboys at Buccaneers for the second straight year in the wild card round. It's got a different vibe it right does. now, right. Than it had last year. Yeah, and I think the Cowboys are going to have their hands full if they have to go to Tampa Bay to start the playoff run. And and we'll see. It's not home. It's not turf it could be a challenge for the cowboys that they didn't quite anticipate yeah right when they were having that special phase of their season so good for the bucks and good for us because it makes for a much better four or five playoff game than we thought we were going to get with the none of the above nfc south the buccaneers established themselves as the best team that'd in be that good, That'd be a good one. Right. I mean, like you said, I mean, Dallas playing man-to-man against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and doing all that, right? And just, hey, wait, before you hit your superlative, too, like, man, Jacksonville, right? Like, man, has it fallen fast? It's fallen aggressively. It's bad. We're going to talk about it coming up. Okay, fine. We'll We're going to talk about it coming up. Okay, We got a later. whole segment. We got Whoa. a whole segment for Whoa. it. Whoa. By the way. I should read the by rundown. The way, by the way. <laughs> what? That's okay. I never do. Um. <laughs> Think about this. Yeah. Cowboys go one and done. What does Jerry do? Uh oh. About Mike McCarthy? Uh oh. Does Shereen Williams end up getting the matching bookend tattoos on her cheeks, not her face? Not those cheeks. Wait, what we, was. Well, we were giving her a hard time about it. Remember, was, she said if, if Bill Belichick becomes a coach of the Cowboys, uh, that she'll get Jerry Jones on one cheek and Belichick on the other. Gosh, it's it's. I almost have to root for that to happen. I just almost have to root for it, even though I don't really want to, but I want it. I want it. So that's that's a tough one there. <laughs> All right, uh, first one for me, and you know it's fitting. It was Christmas Eve. Before St. Nick flew around the world to give all the kids oh on the nice gosh. list their gifts, St. <laughs> Nick Mullins gave the Lions. Apparently the Lions are on the nice list because they got four gifts from Santa during the game on Sunday. And Here's the, This is the new thing around right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These AI-generated 
graphics where look at the dude on the left. Look at his hand. Like, how many fingers does he have? So oh, they yeah, need to right. tell the it AI. It looks like there's about six, six or seven Four fingers, fingers there. and a thumb. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, <laughs> well done. I saw one of those with Derek Carr jersey. I've seen them with several different jerseys, and uh, they're pretty good. The Derek but Carr Mullins. one, they're like giving him the middle finger as he opens up the gift. It's like oh, even more yeah. harsh yeah. than yeah. that. Must be the Sims family Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Sims family Christmas. Here's Mullins, and, and this is the one that ended the game. Oh. You know, the, the, this is a Justin Jefferson gets doubled all game, and he's finally wide open. Oh, he's touchdown. finally wide open. And what is that throw? He Unbelievable. It. He threw a quacker. Unbelievable. He threw a quacker. He really did. If we, I mean, look at the quality of the ball as it goes through the air. I mean, I honestly, I think he's trying to throw that ball like five feet, five more yards to the right. He misses it so bad. And it comes out of his hand funny. But, Mike, as I said to you in text on Friday, or on, uh, on Sunday, excuse me, when we were watching this game, I did feel bad for you. I really did because – the Vikings are they're better than last year. They'd be more of a danger in the NFC playoffs this year than last year. If Kirk Cousins was there, I'd be going, oh, man, Vikings. Nobody's going to want to see them with this Brian Flores defense and these receivers and the, what they're doing. Uh, that game was there to be had. You, know, you guys moved the ball up and down the field on Detroit. Certainly could have won the football game. The Nick Mullins mistakes killed you. Well, and the catch that Justin Jefferson made on third and 27 was that moment like we saw in Buffalo last year where you sense an inevitability that you're going to cash in. When you have a memorable catch like that, it follows up because the next play, Brandon Powell gets them down to where they were. And I'm I'm sitting, oh my, how in the hell are they going to win this game? This game was over. How are they going to pull this off? Oh, wait, they're not going to pull it off. It was all just a Christmas tease as Nick Mullins finishes with four interceptions, 400-plus passing yards, four interceptions. And keep an eye on Jaron Hall for this week. I think the Vikings, I know the Vikings are taking a very close look at whether or not to flip back to the guy who was the original replacement for Kirk Cousins after the torn Achilles tendon, and he suffered the concussion on the first drive against the Falcons and opened the door for Josh Dobbs. Back to Jaron Hall with the season on the line. We'll see them Sunday night at home against the Packers. They face the Lions next weekend again. They're not done yet, although it sure feels like they're close. They need help at this point. they got to win the last two to get the 9-8. and eight. I don't think they're a viable playoff team if they get there, and I'm not saying that as some sort of reverse psychology, and I'm not trying to set up some other jinx or backlash or whatever. I, we've said for the past few weeks we want teams in that we think are viable. Seahawks and Rams are viable. Vikings aren't viable because they can't finish they, they're competitive, but they can't finish. Too many turnovers, too many bad decisions, too many bad throws, too many bad things happen that they inflict on themselves. Well, yeah, yeah, I think you. the, the feeling is, is you, you feel like their, their quarterback play can't get them through the clutch in a big moment in a playoff game, right? That's kind of what I feel, at least. I think there's everything else you like about their football team. I don't know. I mean, how do you feel? All right, try to erase the bitterness of your Christmas Eve. But, like, do you think Jaron Hall playing is the right call? That's one where I just go, I, I don't know if I would, I would do that. Throwing a rookie out there who, again, played one drive and then got his head knocked off and got a concussion, now you're going to throw him in there in this moment? I don't, I'm not sure that's the right thing, too. Now, I understand there's probably frustration with Nick Mullen and certainly few of those head-scratching interceptions of the game where you're like, what were you doing or looking at? And that's happened two weeks in a row. 
But, man, I can't imagine Jaron Hall coming in and being able to execute the offense to a capacity that could they could look at it and go, well, maybe we'll sneak in the playoffs this way. I, I think that part of the reason for doing it is get him some reps for next year. Okay. You know, you're developing this kid, yeah. and it's an opportunity. How do you reward Nick Mullins with another start after he throws four interceptions? That last throw, how, how do you – whatever the excuse, whatever the explanation. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. Big throw in a big spot. The opportunity comes along for an NFL quarterback very infrequently. Big throw in a big spot. And he, and he just you either make it or you don't. And he whiffed. And it, it made it interception number four for the day. He looked just like the guy that we saw in San Francisco where I remember that Sunday night game against the Eagles. I, I didn't know Nick Mullins was playing for the Eagles yeah, that night. Right. But he was People throwing it to the Eagles that night like he was. He was Let's take a break. Eagles, right. Yep. 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 We, 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 we've got a couple more superlatives when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. George Pickens, yes, I was wearing that during our production meeting on Saturday. I put it on after I was clear on Saturday from the pregame show before Bengals Steelers. Get the ball to George Pickens. That's the jersey I bought, by the way, when the Steelers were playing the Browns, and I thought the Steelers were going to win. I bought that at the airport. Hadn't worn it. Hadn't had the occasion to wear it. But this is simple. George Pickens for Christmas was George Bailey. The Steelers, in a roundabout way, had seen what it was like as if George Pickens had never been born. And then they realized he has been born, and he's on the team. Maybe we should get this guy the ball. We've been saying this all year. Scheme your offense to put the ball in his hands and let him do this. We've seen him do it. They just, I don't know what the psychology is, what's going on behind the scenes that has caused the Steelers to deny themselves using, to the full extent, this guy who is special. Yeah. And he is. Yeah. And I know that, that there's no excuse for, for the, the lack of effort against the Colts. But how many great receivers have we seen over the years where they feel like they're ignored and they don't understand why and they can help the team win and the team's not using them? You act up eventually. It's human nature. We all would do that. So Pickens was incredible. Good for the Steelers to finally realize, let's get this guy the ball. Let's get this guy involved. Let's use his skills to our benefit. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was impressive, right? I mean, it really was. It was a a highlight show for George Pickens. Uh, It, you know... I, I, you make a lot of good points, and I think you just look at them and go, yeah, wh- wh- what is the problem? Why can't we figure out more ways to get him the football? You know, to me, they look a little too much of like, hey, they just run an offense instead of every now and then, which good offenses do. They go, hey, we're going to run our offense with a eye on getting this guy the ball, right? We've seen the 49ers have a drive where, yeah, they're running their offense, but they're going to go to the Debo Samuel plays here right now. Make sure they get him in the ball, get him in the game, get the ball to him, get him to flow here a little bit, right? Oh, it's the Dolphins. Hey, it was good first drive. Second drive, there's a little bit of a, hey, we're going to get Tyreek the ball and get him going because we're better when he's functioning at a high level and it makes the defense do different stuff once we start to feed him the ball. Uh, Pittsburgh is, they, they got to find ways to, to feature him a little bit more. 
There are too many just like, hey, this is the play, and if the read takes you there. Like, screw all that. you got to have somewhere. No, like, this play is made for George Pickens, and we're going to get him the ball, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage, a slant, whatever. There has to be more of an effort there, and it just seems like that hasn't happened all year. But uh, that was that was a big-time performance there by him and a huge win with your pasta and meatballs freaking uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Good pick by you. And look, just to reiterate what I said during the pregame show, the Steelers have no desire whatsoever to change coaches. They have no reason to think Mike Tomlin wants to go. Yes, somebody could call and make them an offer they can't refuse, but they still can refuse it. If Tomlin doesn't want to go and they don't want him to go and they intend to extend his contract, it doesn't matter if the commanders or the Panthers or the Chargers or whoever calls, nothing's going to happen. No, yeah, I, I, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, again, Mike Tomlin, we know he's pretty special. And some of these issues I think that the Pittsburgh fans look at for the Steelers, they're not all Mike Tomlin issues. They're not. There's some things that the blame needs to go around to the rest of the organization a little bit too with some things there. And uh, you know, from what you said on, on Saturday, it's, it's good to hear that the Steelers are committed to him and sounds like there's going to be something in the works to keep him even longer. All right, another superlative, Chris, coming from the weekend that was other than Monday. What do you got? Well, the Jersey Joe Bomber. I mean, Jersey Joe Bomber, Joe Flacco. I mean, you heard me on Saturday going, you know, rain Joe Flacco in a little bit. Rain him in, right? Well, they sure the hell didn't listen to me in Cleveland. I could tell you that much. <laughs> it's still throw the damn ball down the field. And, hey, listen, I like it. And I know they can't run the ball like they want. They're beat up on the offensive line. They still got to rein him in a little, right? They might get away with it against the Houston Texans, but he did throw two two first-half interceptions and got lucky with one or two in the second half, too. But either way, the Browns are kind of my man-crush football team right now. I mean, they just go for it on both sides of the ball. Obviously, yeah, I think they're a little too aggressive on offense with Joe Flacco, and that needs to be managed to a degree. But damn, their defense, what they do, the plays they make, they're, they, they squash you. They're smothering. And they, at one point in this game, were completely smothering the Houston Texans. And the Texans got, you know, back in the game late when Cleveland got to prevent defense and whatever else. But this game was 36-7. to The Browns are playing some high-level football. They got a Super Bowl defense. And if Joe Flacco can just not be too aggressive and crazy – Damn, he might find his butt in the Super Bowl here. So you just got to be careful here. But Cleveland's certainly going to make things interesting in these AFC playoffs. And I don't know about him finding his butt in the Super Bowl, but I do want him to find his butt back in Baltimore along the way. Browns at Ravens and Lions at Rams or Rams at Lions. Browns already beat the Ravens in Baltimore, too. So they ain't going to be scared. I know. I know. I know. And and Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit, Joe Flacco going back to Baltimore, that would add some sizzle and some spice and maybe some anxiety to those home teams welcoming their former quarterbacks back to town. I don't think the Ravens after last night are going to be all that concerned about the Browns, but that's one of the ingredients in ending up getting a surprise when you're not as concerned as you should be. And I think anybody facing the Browns should be very concerned about what they can do because they're coupling the offense with a defense that is dominant and the offense is improving and Joe Flacco is getting better every week. He's in that, that age, Chris, where he can still do what he's always done physically, but he's seen so much. He's yeah. experienced so much. You can't fool him. He knows what's coming. We, we saw Tom Brady in that zone. We saw 
Peyton Manning in that zone, Aaron Rodgers in that zone. You get older, you're smarter, and you can still do the things you've always done physically, and you become a very dangerous quarterback. And when they have a very dangerous defense, Browns are going to be a dangerous team. Let's take a break. When we return, we were going to talk about the wreckage that is the Jaguars. We've decided to put a pin in that until tomorrow. We're going to talk about what the Dolphins were able to do, changing the narrative. One of the narratives had to go. And the one that the Dolphins can't beat good teams is the one that went out the window. We'll talk Cowboys-Dolphins next year on PFT Live. Mm. My, my son keeps calling me Peyton Manning. That's <laughs> good. I'm going to go, That's when we good. see Peyton Manning one day, because you're going to see him, I'm going to go, hey, my son makes fun of your forehead but, and does it to me all the time. I'm going to call him out in front of him. I'm going to get him. He just keeps calling me, that Peyton Manning forehead you got over there. Uh, but... That little stretch at the end. That's what does it. The little silly putty effect. That's probably more accurate when you do that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah. So, uh, did you used to get the red splotches on your head when you wore a helmet like Peyton used to? Definitely. I had the. You know, you get that the the, the red forehead. Definitely. I had to get it like right here to the point where honestly, like I would like lose skin right here. You know, I I had. Always one of the biggest helmets on the football team. I'm proud to say it. You know, my head's not necessarily fat this way, but it is long back to front. So, yeah, squeezing in that damn new helmet and breaking it in a little bit was always a little bit of a a trouble or a struggle there, you know, in OTAs early on in spring there, just trying to break it in. All right, uh, Dolphins, I I have no segue, so I'm just going to say Dolphins beat the Cowboys (laughs) on Sunday. They Um, did. 22 to 20, exciting game, down to the wire. Dolphins get the field goal, five field goals on the day for Miami, and and they they did what they had to do. They they beat a good team finally. Now, something was going to give. The Cowboys were either going to beat a good team on the road, That's the narrative. They can't beat good teams on the road. Or the Dolphins were going to beat a good team anywhere. So somebody was going to be able to say, stick your narrative up your butt after the game. Because both were baked in. Both were reality. And one still lingers. The Cowboys can't beat a good team on the road. And yes, the Dolphins have beaten a good team. But now they go to Baltimore this week. That's their reward, Chris. Although it is, as we said earlier, an opportunity. They want to be the one seed. They want to force the road to the Super Bowl. Through South Florida, they have the opportunity to do it New Year's Eve in Baltimore if they could beat the Ravens. But um, as well as they played on Sunday, there's another level to match what we saw last night from Baltimore. Yeah, and, you know, they're going to they're recognize that. They will. I think it is positive, though, right, for, for Miami. And that, that, you know, Miami not in a lot of ugly you know, one score, can we win the game late? It's not necessarily a track meet in some pretty football game, right? We talked about this last week. They had to prove to themselves they could kind of win that type of game, you know, be the more physical team on the football field against one of the better teams in football. That has been something that's definitely missed from the Dolphins against the top-tier teams they've played. They've been out physical every time. This was not the case the other day. They were more physical than Dallas. In fact, they had more things to rely on with their physicality than Dallas did. I mean, they could run the ball. Dallas couldn't, right? I mean, the, 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 the D-line for, for, uh, for the Miami Dolphins certainly gave the Cowboys issues. But then, yeah, the balance on the, the Miami offense to kind of be able to do both, but also just gut out the win 
and and win in a way that we haven't seen them have to all year, yeah, I think that's going to prove something to them. And, yeah, they're going to have to continue to play with that type of physicality here if they want to win the AFC number one seed, like you said. And um, I also love those uniforms. How many oh, teams have great. great throwbacks that yeah. are better than their base uniforms? I wish they would wear those the rest of the way. And it was just a fun game to watch. It was a great uniform game, it as you was. like to say. Yes. It felt... It felt like a bigger game than a regular season game. It had postseason feel to it. It just had, just the way it looked, the way the teams looked, the way the stadium looked, it just felt like a bigger deal. And I think that's the key. Even though it doesn't hurt the Cowboys in the standings, per se, because they still need the Eagles to lose, winning a game like that proves things to you as a team. The Dolphins proved to themselves that they can go toe-to-toe with an elite team and get the win. And now the challenge is take that and springboard it to taking on a better team in their building. What are you going to do there? Game of the day. Yeah. For week 17. Yeah. Dolphins at the Ravens. Yeah. No, I can't wait. It's going to be it. one versus two again. I got my power rankings ready to go. We just had one versus two last night. Guess what? We got one versus two coming up on Sunday. Wow. When the Dolphins number two visit the Ravens number one. Wow. Okay. All right. So you're bumping the 49ers down a few spots there. I didn't expect you to hear you hear you say that there. But yeah, got to I mean, win your football games. I'm 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 excited for it. And again, I think what you what you see there, and what I like about the Dolphins, we know the offense is good. But the fact that they could kind of, you know, use their willpower and run the ball on Dallas a little bit. And then to me, again, the thing that keeps jumping out to me with the Dolphins, other than two late drives by the Tennessee Titans, their defense has been very good the last five, six weeks. I mean, a pain in the butt. They got big people up the middle. Fangio's got them coached up, and they're all bought in on the system. And, again, they gave that Dallas Cowboy offense issues. I mean, Dallas couldn't run the ball. That was an issue, right? I mean, they had stretches of not being able to really move the ball on the offense in general. It became work for them. I mean, other than the 45 or what was that, the 50-yard slant? What the heck was that? Like to uh, to, to CeeDee Land, the 49-yard slant route to him. I mean, they're just there wasn't a lot of like open field for Dallas and big plays or anything like that. There wasn't. I mean, their second, their last touchdown drive, it was 17 plays. I mean, it was work. That's what I worry about with Dallas. Dallas got some good players. Their offense is simple, and it's just a little too reliant on the players itself. And you saw the Dolphins, you know, slow it down, and then they couldn't run the ball on the Dolphins either. Uh, Dallas is. They're good, but they're nothing great. I think we know that. Miami, I think the jury's out, and they could still be a major player here in the AFC still, and certainly I think more of major player than uh, I don't think they're that great. That's for sure. Well, big throw in a big spot at some point for Tua, unless they just manage it the whole way and it's timing and it works and it clicks. But we saw the MVP of the NFL last night in Lamar Jackson, and he plays at a level that – only a few others do. This gets back to what Cam Newton was well, saying. Well, he's last the team. Week, between game he's the guy. It doesn't matter what system you put in Lamar, what team you put him on. We'd all sit there and go, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. And that's what an MVP is. And for some reason, we've got stuck in this oh, the team's awesome. They're going up and down the field. But let's give the quarterback all the credit for handing the ball here and throwing a screen here. Whoop the F and do. That's what, like, that's, we got to get back to what an MVP is. We got to break, break, yep, break, break. 
We're out of time. MVP. We'll be right back. Not guys that just quarterback final segment. Awesome team. We'll be right back. MVPs. Stop the quarterback of the awesome break. team. <laughs> be right Whoa. All right, I'm retiring. He's taking over. Look at this. He's cutie. taking over. Look at him. Man. Miles. Miles. Miles hanging out. Miles is a Browns fan. Do you what? like the Browns? Do you like the Browns? Hi, Miles. Hi, Miles. How are you? I know he can't hear me. See me, Miles? See me? I'm the big... Don't teach him any words. The big Don't dummy. Teach him. Don't teach him any words, hair. please. Yeah, look. I won't. Look. Right there. Yeah, that's me. Right, he, 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 he does know one. He didn't learn it from me, yeah. but he does know one. Well, does he know yeah. that his uncle's He'll an learn idiot. more before he leaves. Does he know that at least? That's it. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. <laughs> He's like, All you're right. an idiot. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Have oh, a good day. goes by. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.